Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. Hey, it's Friday, so we're dropping a bonus. Today is not a meditation, though. We're dropping one of the talks from the 10% Happier app. Many of you may not know that uh, aside from hundreds of guided meditations on the app and also courses that combine video and audio, we also do these short little, what I like to call wisdom bombs, like 10-minute little talks from scientists and meditation teachers. And today's is from Jeff Warren, who's one of my favorite people. We wrote a book together called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. He is a meditation teacher based out of Toronto, where he founded a group called the Consciousness Explorers Club. And he's going to talk here about what he calls the four most important habits in life. These are the four fundamental qualities that human beings can cultivate in order to make a positive difference in their life. So here's Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. You may have heard teachers call meditation a practice. Sometimes we just call it the practice. What do we mean? What is a practice? The simplest definition of practice is some action, mental, emotional, physical, social, that you choose and repeat so that it can become a habit. A practice is the deliberate cultivation of habits you want. These habits may begin in a narrow domain, on the meditation cushion, in the gym, maybe in the artist studio, but it becomes a true practice in the broadest sense when the positive effects of the practice begin to move out into the rest of your life. When it comes to habits, we tend to think of them as external behaviors, but actually our internal ways of being and relating are also habits. We think and relate to the world in certain ways, and the more we repeat these thinking and relating patterns, the more entrenched they get. As the saying goes, we are literally creatures of habit, and for the first big chunk of our lives, we don't get to choose what inner habits we're building. If we're lucky, we may have good role models to emulate, but even then, we all acquire some unhealthy habits. It can't really be avoided. Habits of stress and reactivity and impatience and self-pity and furious overthinking and defensiveness and all the rest. These habits don't stay the same either. They get deeper and more entrenched the more they're repeated. And for most of us anyway, eventually our unhealthy inner habits catch up with us. All of a sudden we realize that this thing that we do, this once subtle habit of dissatisfaction or avoidance or worrying that we've had kind of going on in the background is now screwing us, screwing our relationships, our work, our life, whatever. And that is our wake-up call, the call to practice, to practice habits that help rather than hurt. Meditation and other contemplative practices are powerful ways to do this. They help us rehearse a different way of existing. They're very ambitious. It's like going to the existence gym. The setting is simple. The comparative distractions are few. You close the eyes, or maybe you keep them half open, and practice being cool with your life. 
You practice noticing the details of your experience. You practice being satisfied by simple sensations and prioritizing sanity and rest. These are deep habits that have a powerful effect on the rest of your life. The part that's super important to realize here is the skills and habits we build in meditation can be built up in any activity. That's how you unbundle meditation. You start to realize that the external form of a practice is less important than the inner skills and habits we bring to it. So what inner skills and habits? This is a riddle I think about a lot as a journalist, as a writer, as a meditation teacher. What are the most fundamental qualities a human being can cultivate that will make a positive difference in their life? And how do I impart that? There's no master list, obviously, and the pie can be cut in many ways. What's more, a lot of this will depend on our personal intentions, our cultural values. But four skills or habits in particular seem to come around again and again. At the very least, they underlie all the mindfulness and meditation and artistic and movement practices that I both teach and do myself. I have my own teacher, Shenzhen Young, to thank for making three of them explicit for me. Here they are. First, concentration. The skill of calm, of devoting attention to some object or in some direction. When we focus, there's a tendency for the thing we're focusing on to become more stable. And if we hold our attention long enough, we can have the experience of flowing and merging with that activity or object. Concentration is also the great protector, because when we apply ourselves in this way, our anxious thoughts have less room to make an appearance. Concentration leads to more peace and stability. Examples of concentration in a practice are really any kind of absorption, like getting absorbed in a sport, or in a writing or drawing practice, or even getting absorbed in a good conversation. It becomes a practice when we make this activity deliberate. Second, clarity. The skill of discernment, of awareness. That leads to insight. This is the part of us capable both of panning out to a broader perspective and zooming in to notice previously unconscious habits of thinking and responding. Over time, if we pay close attention, it can lead us to deep insights about the nature of mind and being. Clarity leads to more wisdom, more perspective. This gets trained in insight meditation, but it also gets trained in therapy practices, it gets trained in journaling, in relating and communication practices. Anything that teaches you self-awareness around your stuff is boosting the habit of clarity. Third, care. This is the skill of appreciation, of bringing respect and even gratitude to both our actions and our perceptions. It leads to doing things well, to treating people well, including ourselves. It's the habit of front-loading love into what we see and do, to the degree that feels honest to who we are. When we choose to care for what we see and do, we take a stand that these things matter, that they're meaningful. So care leads to love, to connection, and we can exercise it in tons of activities. Anytime you 
do something well, you're exercising the care habit. Anytime you notice the humanity of the people around you, you're exercising the care habit. Anytime you write a letter of appreciation to someone in your life, same thing. And finally, my favorite, equanimity. The skill of non-interference. Of receiving, but also of letting go. Equanimity is paradoxical. It's a kind of disappearing into presence. It's the habit of getting so still and smooth inside that we're finally able to respect and honor ourselves and the world as it is, thus paving the way for healthy change. It's the basis of vulnerability and humility and leads again and again to more appropriate and intelligent action. When we're vulnerable in a conversation, we're exercising equanimity. When we trust the creative work that's coming through us, we're exercising equanimity. When we breathe out and trust our life, we're exercising equanimity. It's the ultimate existential habit. And those are my candidates for the core skills or habits that we exercise in any effective practice. Concentration, clarity, care, and equanimity. You can increase these in meditation, but why not try to spread them out to other activities as well? That's how life becomes our practice. Ironically, I bet your grandpappy could have explained all of this to you, though maybe not with so many fancy words. He'd just say, do things well, pay attention, be humble. Don't make it complicated. Find your practice, your movement, your breath, your work, and commit. The rest will follow. Practice well, my friends. One quick order of business before we go here. As you may know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Over the past year, mental health professionals have been doing heroic work helping people in the midst of so much upheaval and a huge uptick in anxiety and depression and addiction. And so we want to recognize all these mental health professionals and thank them for what they're doing and also to offer some support. So if you fit into the category of mental health professional and you want a year's free access to the 10% Happier app, where there are hundreds of meditations and other resources, go ahead and visit 10percent.com slash mental health. We'll see you back here on Monday for a brand new episode. If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Yeah. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, 
Music Field Weekly Party, where hip hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.